This is The Verse, a weekly dive into the cinematic universes and beyond. We'll dissect the latest episodes, films, and news all fans from veterans to news are dying to know more about. Now, here's our team of pop culture superheroes we call The Verse Squad. Welcome to The Verse. On this episode, we will cover the premiere of Marvel's new series, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, on Disney+. Plus. We'll give you, our Verselings, a quick recap, our initial reactions, reviews, theories, and some news across the multiverses. And stick around for a post-credit sequence. Let's jump right in and say hi to the team. I'm Lucas. I'm Emilia. I'm Norm. And I'm Bridget. We'll get things rolling with a quick recap of this week's premiere episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. There's a lot to cover. We're going to spend a little extra time setting things up, talking about the characters and their backstories. So just be patient. It gets really good once we do. Or you can skip ahead. So, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You guessed it, it stars Sam Wilson, a.k.a. The Falcon, alongside Bucky Barnes, a.k.a. The Winter Soldier. This new series takes place about six months after the events of Avengers Endgame. And if you remember, both Sam and Bucky were blipped away at the end of Infinity War. This means that it has not only been six months since Endgame, but both Bucky and Sam have been gone for five years at this point. It is here that the series explores the idea of both Sam and Bucky adjusting to a a completely different world than the one they left. And last remember. For Sam, this means readjusting to his life as a family man. We are introduced to his sister, who has two sons, his nephews, and we learn that they are trying to save or restore their family business that once was. And even before we meet Sam's family, we actually first see him in a really intense, high-action aerial fight sequence with him as the Falcon. We are treated to awesome action right in the beginning of the episode. We see him chasing bad guys through the air, zipping in and out of canyons, doing flips, a lot like how you would see the Millennial Falcon in Star Wars. You know, it fits into very small crevices, turns sideways, scrapes walls, does all that, and we see him doing that as the Falcon. On the other side of the spectrum, we actually first see Bucky in a therapy session. As you can imagine, being brainwashed and experimented on so many times by Hydra, Bucky is struggling with PTSD. In this therapy session, we see him trying to make a plan to make amends with people from his past. Besides PTSD, Bucky is also struggling socially to adapt to this new world. And we know this because Bucky goes to have lunch with a quote-unquote friend who happens to be an 80-year-old man. But it sort of makes sense because Bucky is technically 105 years old. And on top of that, Steve Rogers, a.k.a. Captain America, was Bucky's best friend, and now he's no longer there. As for Sam, he is struggling with the concept of taking up the mantle, taking up Captain America's shield that was given to him, and wondering if it belongs to him or not. Yeah, I'll say from my initial reaction, I've been like, is Marvel spying on my Twitter feed and listening to all the discussions I have? Because it's like they tailored this show for me. What about you, Norm? What is your initial reaction? Yes, please. You know, I am actually going to give this uh, a lower score than I normally would. I'm actually going to give it a three out of five. And the reason why is mostly a technical reason. You need Uh, room to go up, I'm guessing. (laughs) (laughs) I just did not like the the opening. You see Sam getting ready for, uh, he's getting a dress suit on. So you know he's going somewhere in, important. But then right after that, he's on a transport ship, jumping out of it to fight some bad guys. It, it didn't feel organic. And Marvel has this way of introducing things way more organically. And this did, this was not it. And that brought it down for me. And then, this is probably a little stupid, there was also a moment of overacting at the end of the dogfight scene in the very beginning, where uh, (laughs) Sam's handler is jumping up and down and cheering, and he is the only one doing it. There was this awesome scene of Sam flying through, trying to get this high-value asset back from Batroc, who's back from the Winter Soldier movie, and he's just flying through these canyons. With this epic dogfight that happens between three or four choppers and him. And it's it's a great scene. Everything's going perfectly fine. And it's very centered in the MCU. And it feels perfectly fit. But then after it ends, 
after Sam saves the day right before the last second, you you go down to the ground and you see his handler jumping up and down and he's the only one doing it. All the other soldiers in the background aren't doing anything. And it's just that moment of overacting that really brought this, the start of it down. From there on, I thought it was absolutely, from that point on, five out of five. But before that, uh, they need to do better. Yeah, Norm, those are details that I did not notice nor care about. But <laughs> I can understand your, uh, you know, your attention to detail and it's appreciated. Um, what about you, Emilia? Uh, I agree with you, Lucas. Like lots of really exciting stuff being being set up. I feel like they're exploring all of the stuff that I wanted them to explore. Like who are Sam and Bucky as human beings? Um, and the fight scenes are pretty. I mean, I guess Lucas, maybe you could speak more to this, but they seemed pretty epic for TV. So I'm really excited and just. Oh yeah. So yeah. Uh, I don't know if people who are our listeners uh, are fans of uh, mixed martial arts, but George St. Pierre is a, like one of the main villains in this. I did not know he was acting. So for me, it was like such a fun little Easter egg to see him pop up. I was like, oh man, like I guess he's uh, it crossed over to Hollywood now. Uh, well, he w- he was in. He he was Batrock. What's that? He was he was Batrock in uh, Winter Soldier at the very beginning of Winter Soldier, the movie. Oh, I just rewatched that and I didn't catch that. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's George St. Pierre. Okay, yeah. Okay, well, I'm just glad to see him because he is a very successful mixed martial artist who had won like belts multiple times. He's just he's a powerhouse, and you know what? A pretty decent actor. Uh, but yeah, as it goes for the the action scenes and the fight scenes, uh, yeah, I was a. Uh, I have to say the the the, the wingsuit chasing. I mean, I have never seen anything on film like that before. The only thing that comes to mind is Iron Man three, where they have the you know. Beyond that, I was like the fact that this is in a uh, show and not on a movie was impressive. It is really impressive. But before we go any further, let's just remind newer fans and anyone who doesn't remember just who the Falcon and the Witcher Soldier are. We were first introduced to Sam Wilson, a.k.a. the Falcon, back in the beginning of Captain America, the Winter Soldier. So when Steve Rogers first meets Sam, it's when Steve is running laps over in the Capitol and he keeps running laps around Sam and the whole line it comes a joke, you know, on your left, on your left, because Steve keeps passing Sam. And as we come to find out, Sam, we don't know he's the Falcon yet, but he is working at, I, I, he's helping veterans who have PTSD and sort of helping people who have served in the military rejoin society. And then we find out in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, that Sam is the Falcon and he does these special operations and he has the whole suit. The last time we saw Bucky, I mean, does someone want to explain that? Because he's quite old. Which yeah, sets no, him up wh- quite nicely for this show. Years old. Bucky. Well, uh, he is the same age as Steve. Both of them grew up together in pre-World War II. Even, uh, you know, the financial collapse, the the Great Depression, they grew up together through that. And then they join the army together, although not at the same time. Bucky joins first, and then Steve obviously goes forward through his Captain America transformation. And then Bucky also gets experimented on by Zola in the... Um, not Yeah, Zo- who is and Zola now? Not, not not Zola. Yeah, Arnim Zola is a German Hydra scientist or Swiss Swiss, Swiss Hydra that's scientist. Right. He makes a big point of that in the Winter Soldier. Yes, he does in the Winter Soldier movie. Uh, so he experiments on Bucky, and then during a train fight in the first Avenger movie, uh, Bucky drops to his apparent death. But as we find out in the Winter Soldier movie, he didn't die. He actually was taken in by Hydra, um, cyborged up a little bit, given a prosthetic arm, and then uh, brainwashed into believing that he needs to be a lethal assassin for Hydra, who gets frozen and defrozen multiple times over the decades to produ- to uh, execute high-risk assassination attempts. Hence his age, right? That's why he's hence, young right. still. Hence why he's young yes, looking. That's why he's still young for a hundred and one year old or whatever he is. So he's got a lot of baggage. Yeah, I was just gonna say, hence his PTSD because he's been brainwashed so many times and 
trains kill all these people. Do you want to kind of explain sort of where Bucky has left off in the new first episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier? If I'm correct here, and is that the last time we saw Bucky, he was in uh, Wakanda on a little... No? Uh, re- no? That's not true? No, last we, last we saw Bucky, he was staring at Steve and Sam on a park bench as Steve handed the shield to uh, Sam. Oh, yeah, what a dick. But he was, he was in Wakanda before that, sort of taking a health vacation, you know, is what I would call it. <laughs> Briefly. <laughs> Isolation well, vacation. R&R, baby. <laughs> he, was, he, was getting a, he was getting a brain scrub to get rid of the brain washing. Pretty much. Ah, uh, I could use one of those myself. I think if, if anyone's struggling to figure out what's going on to unpack all of the events, I do highly recommend actually watching a Marvel Legends. Legends. Legends, yeah, they put out these little shorts of all of the main characters from WandaVision and for Falcon and the Winter Soldier so that you can quickly catch up. Much more entertaining than reading the Wikipedia, which I do. (laughs) (laughs) So, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, a.k.a. Sam Wilson and James Buchanan Barnes, a.k.a. Bucky. Both of these characters are friends with Steve Rogers, the original Captain America, although they both met them at very different points, not only in time, but in their lives. Uh, We first meet Bucky uh, in the first Avenger, where he teams up with Cap and is subsequently thought to be lost in battle. He then turns back up in Winter Soldier as an antagonist to Captain America, but then you find out it's only because he's been brainwashed by Hydra. Of course, Cap wins. He eventually takes Bucky to Wakanda to get his brain scrubbed of the brain washing. And then he fights in the Infinity War alongside of Sam, who we first meet in The Winter Soldier in the very beginning. You find out that he's an ex-Air Force man. He He's now running a uh, PTSD clinic down at the uh, Veterans Affairs. And him and Steve build a rapport that is is pretty lighthearted. Of course, Sam then happens to help Steve in the events of Winter Soldier using his Exo Seven suit, which is dubbed the Falcon, with his wings and jetpack. Sam also fights in the Infinity Wars, and just like Bucky, is blipped out of existence during. The end of Infinity War till the end of Endgame, where he joins everyone in the final fight. Fast forward to now, six months after Endgame. It's a great point. Sam and Bucky met Steve Rogers at very different points in their lives and very different moments in time. And so time definitely plays a huge factor, especially for Bucky, because he's 105 years old now in what would be uh, 20, 23, I think it's supposed to be now in their... Uh, Avengers universe. And so he's 105 years old, but, you know, still like a young, fit, good looking guy trying to, you know, find his place. And it's very funny because in the opening of the episode, you find him going to have lunch with a friend who is like maybe what I would call a man in his 80s, probably. Uh, they're going to have lunch and they're hanging out. And it's funny because um, they ask him, you know, like, how is how is dating? And he sets him up on a date. And I mean, it's worth a mention. Bucky also has a flip phone. He has a flip phone right now. He doesn't even go for the smartphone, which is I, it's juxtaposed because also in the beginning. Baby, baby steps. Step, it's baby, baby steps. Because you see Sam in the beginning of the episode, super high action sequence. He's the Falcon flying through canyons, kind of like the millennial Falcon. Oh, you see in Star Wars all the time doing the side dips, everything. And he's got high tech gadgets. They're utilizing all the FaceTime and everything. So it's, it's very funny to see that juxtaposition, especially in time between the two of them. Uh, yeah, poor Bucky. I really love the therapist scene. Like uh, that was yeah. a wonderful introduction for him because- yes. Listen, the trope of like the PTSD soldier yeah. and especially somebody who's had their mind wiped like the Born Identity and uh, Wolverine, which is one of my favorite comics. I- I've seen this story before, but they did such a, a great job of like, sh- uh, and I-, I really uh, give the credit to the actor for that. Um, uh, Sebastian Stan, I am such a fan of his. I don't know if you've seen I, Tanya or uh, some of the other films he's done. He is a very yes. good actor. And so, so good. he plays that scene so well with so much heart because you can see the suffering behind it and it's like in the frustration with the therapist. They put in, give Marvel a lot of credit, man. They put in so much good 
comedic moments in in dramatic spaces so anyway that introduction of his character really grounds you with what he's carrying on his shoulders and uh and i I, like i didn't even think about it but you pointed out like where do we first see the falcon he's zipping around having an action scenes where do we first see the winter soldier you know like at his therapist i mean it's such a to me this is what worked for the episode (laughs) is that you we got to be grounded in their you know in their characters uh so that's a really good point lucas and you know, I would say that we're well into our individual reviews section talking about what did work, what didn't work. Uh, Norm, you already talked about what kind of didn't work for you, but uh, what what were some of your favorite moments? What really worked for you? One of the things, and this goes to what uh, Lucas was just saying about the the PTSD moments. Marvel does such a great job of grounding these into a real world. They take time in thinking about how the real world would react to these characters. We saw it at the end of WandaVision, which is one thing that always draws me to Marvel. And with that being said, the bank loan scene. Mm -hmm. It's, 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 It's just there. But when you think about it, they had to sit down and think, okay, a bunch of people just came back after five years of being gone. It's causing a financial crisis and Marvel's addressing it. Yes, this would happen. This is how we're going to do it. It's just so good at how they do that. And it just brings you into the real world and how things would work. And it makes you know that like this is beyond just superheroes Mm -hmm. going back and battling bad guys. This is about building a universe. And they're so good at it. Right. Yeah, we meet Sam's right. family, right? Isn't that one of the scenes we get Finally. Is before the bank Finally. loan is seeing his sister and the boat? Yeah. I mean, I, this, all that stuff, those details are why I'm already into this show. Well, I think it's funny, like, especially the bank loan scene, because what, again, what you just said, like, Marvel does such a good job at like, addressing and the reason this is whole universe is because it focuses on those small details. So something that the episode answered that I genuinely have always wondered is, so, like, do the Avengers make money? Didn't Tony give you money? Because, you know, Tony Stark, but, you know, he's a billionaire, owns a tech company, making all this technology. Like, did you submit a 1099 to Stark Industries <laughs> at the end of that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's this, like, harsh reality. Yeah, yeah. And it's something I, ne- I never even, like, it. I never really thought about. But don't think about it too much because they talk about a financial crunch from like people, five billion people returning. But come on, if five pe- billion people disappeared, our economies <laughs> would be done. Like we'd be in a deepest recession. Ever. But anyway, so don't think too deeply, but yeah. think deeply enough where it's entertaining. <laughs> and, and it was like I was that scene is, um, is yeah, awesome because, yes. uh, it was. you know, we actually get to see Sam have fun. Like his character was, you know, he's he's hamming it up. And, you know, I, those moments I, I really appreciate. Yes. Yeah. And while we're talking about the sort of real world implications of the blip, uh, there's a bit of political intrigue in this as well. I don't know about political intrigue, but uh, kind of new political ideologies coming, you know, rising up as a result of the blip with the introduction of the flag smashers and also, a f- also a favorite scene of mine yeah. is when they're introduced. And Norm, are these are these guys from the comics? Can you give us a bit of background? Sure. Um, they technically are from the comics. There was a villain called the Flag Smasher. Um, he was actually part of a group called Ultimatum, Ultimum, one of the two, and they basically had the same uh, ideology. So instead, they just replaced um, the main villain, or have they, with uh, a group. Kind of like anonymous meets, uh, I don't know. (laughs) Something more real, like a terrorist organization. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So they're kind of like the Mr. Robot gang, if you've ever watched that show. Yes, actually, uh-huh. yes. That is that is that's so what they I was wear the mask. They actually go. do real world violence, not just all online hacking. Exactly. Now, I do have to say that, and this is, I, I guess, this might could be more Easter eggy, but I would say it's probably one of more of my favorite things that happened in the episode when Bucky's at the therapist and he's talking about they're doing all these flashes of him trying to make amends. Um, you see that he has like a notebook, like a tall, tiny notebook writing in pencil with a bunch of names of people that he needs to make amends with from his past. And I just felt like that called back a lot to uh, Steve's Rogers notebook that he had at the beginning of the Winter Soldier of his to-do list of things yep. he needs to, you know, see, watch, you know, like Star Wars, Star Trek, music he needs to listen to. And I just thought that was a nice little touch that they added yeah. in there. Yeah, I had I had that on my list for the, the, the Easter eggs. That's definitely on there. Yeah. I so maybe just, before yeah. we so maybe before we get into our 
our theories and speculations and Easter eggs, uh, should we talk a little bit about that that last scene, that big, big scene? You know, I, before we get to that, I really want to talk about uh, Bucky's involvement with the older gentleman and that yep. it's not out of the blue. It's not random. Since you brought up the list, mm. we have to talk about it now. Yeah. Did you see that coming too? Like, I have to admit, I was blindsided, which why it worked. But did you suspect something was up there, Norm, when you were watching it? Only when they got to the, when they got to the sushi bar. So bringing up the list after the scene with the therapist, we then find Bucky uh, going to meet an older gentleman for uh, lunch. An older gentleman, and much like himself, fellow ninety-year-old. <laughs> uh, well, younger than younger than Bucky, but um, still uh, probably an octogenarian. Mm-hmm. So, so we find them going to a sushi bar, and you, you really don't have any context to this. Um, it seems out of the blue. Um, and as they're talking, uh, it, it becomes a little more apparent that it's calling back to a slightly earlier scene that happens right before the therapist, in which Bucky is having a nightmare of his time as the Winter Soldier. And he's in a hotel, um, killing some dignitaries, it looks like. It's hard to exactly tell who he's going after. But at the very end, after everyone's done, one of his protocols through Hydra was leave no witnesses. And there's an unfortunate man standing at the end of the hall trying to get into his room and Bucky has to eliminate him. Now, with that in mind, you go back to the sushi bar and you notice this gentleman that Bucky is talking to and you find out he lost a son in very mysterious circumstances. During that, it was the first hint I had that these two scenes were directly related. And it's confirmed later after the older gentleman secures Bucky a date with the bartender, waitress. Maybe both. Kind of hard to tell. Yeah, maybe both. And, you know, she starts talking about the old man and how it's really sweet that Bucky hangs around him and all that. And it's a moment where it paints the picture even harder because she gives the whole, you know, there's a term for someone who lost a wife. There's a term for someone who lost both parents, but there's no term for someone who lost a son. And it prompts Bucky to get up and go to see his his friend. And when the door opens right over the old man's shoulder is a picture of the man he eliminated in the hotel. Yeah. And it's so powerful because you can see like the buildup of guilt in Bucky's eyes. He gets that like thousand yard stare. And in that and initial scene with um, when he's having the dream, we hear the return of the Winter Soldier theme from Captain America, the Winter Soldier, that score composed by uh, Henry Jackman. It's like sort of, you would know it if you heard it, but it's like this very orchestral slash metallic almost. Um, There's like a dissonance yes, to it. Very metallic. It's dissonant, it's very, very scary, sounding. very yeah. scary theme. So you hear that when he's introduced uh you hear that when you first see bucky on screen in the stream sequence and then later when he's at the sushi bar with the with yori uh and yori's talking about his son bucky gets this like horrible look of like oh god i'm like having this flashback again and you can hear that um that screaming like ringing sound from the theme again so that was a really cool little piece that moment it really like that whole scene like that was like it it was chills like this was marvel like how I, you know, kind of remembered it, which is kind of strange because, I mean, like Falcon and the Winter Soldier is like a completely different experience than watching WandaVision. Like it's night and day, like it's so, so 100%. different, but so good in their own right. But something weird about watching the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it is Marvel and it feels like Marvel, but at the same time, it didn't feel like Marvel. Well, there's a there's a good reasons for that. Well, Malcolm uh, Spellman, who's the uh, showrunner on it, who's the head writer, he even said like he's this is all about people and the per- and the per- the people behind Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Who are they as people? And you know, mm-hmm. he, this is a guy that used to write for Empire and uh, what else? Like a lot of TV. So he's a TV writer and he's used to really exploring. You know personal stories and characters and that's again like i said it's as if they wrote this show for me and not for your average marvel fan because that's (laughs) the stuff that i kind of care about more than a lot of these little easter eggy details that you know norm 
graciously gives to us <laughs> every episode. Um, but yeah, so the, I'd say that the scene you described was for me the most emotionally resonant of the whole episode, and it snuck up on me. I was, I had to, all right, maybe I was half paying attention with the, you know, the information they were giving out because in my mind I was like, okay, so he's gonna now try to investigate who killed this guy's dad, and then I'm like, oh wait, he found out who did it. It was, <laughs> it was him. him. That's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, is this gonna be a plot point? He's gonna go and try to investigate who killed this man's son, and then it was like. Oh, snap. And, but what I love that they showed is that it, one of the best character moments though, is the fact that he chickens out. He does not unburden yes. himself. Yeah. Yes. And I, so you know that this is going to be the, the arc of his character through this series is him having to come to terms with it. And I like that we see him so weak because we see him as a physically imposing yes. badass through a lot of the previous movies. But we get to see him as this totally broken, sad dude that you actually feel for. Like, I have to admit, I don't really care about Bucky's character until this episode. Same. It just grounds them in humanity more. It's, it's, it's beautiful the way Marvel actually does this. And it's not new. They've done it over throughout even in mm-hmm. WandaVision they did it and it's just something that they they have always uh, done one of the things yeah. we did not discuss though is the main character arc in this thing is actually the Falcons it's Sam's it's not really Bucky I think Bucky is a great setup for his character but the the whole character arc for this episode is Sam refusing the shield and the consequences of it and the look on his face at the <laughs> end when he sees the new Captain America, that I mean, that is truly the the episode in a in a bundle right there, like with a little bow on it. Um, and that I think was, you know, I'm a huge fan of the Falcon character to begin with. Like that's why I'm watching the show originally. And um, and I thought the the scene for me that was the most resonant uh, for his character was when we get to see uh, a War Machine. Oh yeah, yeah. When when Rhodey comes back, I was so excited. I love Rhodey. Love Rhodey. Yeah, and honestly, I'm such a fan of um, Don, Cheadle. Don Cheadle anyway. Like, he, he just put him in everything, please. <gasps> yes. But uh, please. But, I, but that 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 makes so much sense to to introduce him there because he is somebody who also had to fill a suit, right? Right. And he had to fill the suit of Tony Stark. But the difference is, he accepts it. He always saw himself as an equal and accepted yeah. the role. And yet, and now here's Sam, who is just is doesn't see himself as worthy. Or yeah. you know, not not gonna live up to the to the the myth, the legend. I'm not gonna lie, like I was so pumped when Don Cheadle showed up in the beginning of that episode. Like I I was so excited to see like another Avenger appear on screen besides right. Bucky and Sam because I think like in WandaVision, like he was all, you know, Wanda and Vision and I think the whole time watching that show you you wanted like other Avengers to show up at some point and so I was like not expecting that again for the series and to have one like right away and especially having it be you know War Machine oh I was so excited and I just I was like oh like but it also just made me I guess it made me a little sad because then it was like okay like this is a completely new era for the Avengers you know like you know Endgame ended like the original mm-hmm. six and so now and so that now it was like oh you know open that wound sure. again for me it's fine but you know moving moving on i think this is because it's like you you don't forget about them it's setting up all these new ones so i thought that was really great yeah there's a great foil being set up in the character of war machine slash roadie who was I don't i like don't want to call them sidekicks because it feels like a little bit of a disservice to the characters but partners Iron Man's right-hand man, we'll, we'll say, mm-hmm. partner. Uh, just like Falcon was Steve Rogers, the former Captain America's right-hand man. Um, and Sam's arc is really interesting, right? To me, it's all about responsibility, worthiness, uh, and it's a responsibility on a couple of fronts, right? It's does he take up the mantle of of the... Does he take up the mantle of Captain America? Does he take the shields? Um Right now, he's he's kind of unsure. He's he has this inner conflict about it, but there's also this responsibility that he feels towards his family, who were kind of his and his sister especially, who was kind of left on her own after the events of the blip for five years, and she had to, you know, survive during that time. And now that Sam is back, he really wants to make sure that she's taken care of and that their family legacy can survive. Sure. And one of the one of the great things I loved about Rhodey's scene is the bluntness 
he gave you the shield. It, it, he's he's not mm-hmm. mixing words. He's not trying mm-hmm. to make Sam feel bad or 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 better about giving it up. He he's being very matter of fact with him. He gave you the shield. You should be taking it up. You know. Yeah. Uh, in this scene, by the way, um, I found a very great Easter egg that uh, I don't know if everybody noticed, but during uh, Sam's speech. They framed it so Captain America was right over his left shoulder. Nice. <gasps> on your left. Brilliant. On your left. Nice callback. <laughs> See, I had seen, I think I'd seen like a trailer preview and they had done that. And I had seen like people were blowing it up on TikTok. Like, look at everyone. Like, it's on his left. Like, yada, yada, yada. But no, it was really awesome to see again. But this also, okay, so this is what I am curious about because, so there's a new character um, that is working with the Falcon in this episode. What it's like, Sergeant? Is it a Sergeant? Joaquin Torres. Joaquin Torres. Okay. And so there's well, I a scene. See, I, he seems oh, a little sus to me. Mm-hmm. I'm just. He seems a little sus. Well, he's definitely on my radar de- for the next how, five episodes. But I thought it was interesting because he's sitting at the table with Sam after they have like this whole mission, and he's asking about. He's like, you know, like. There's some theories that, you know, Steve Rogers, Captain America, is living on the moon. He's like on an, in another planet. He's in another universe, but still alive. And there was a lot of talk before this episode aired because there was a whole thing about a leak being that this was going to they were going to open the show being at Steve's funeral. It, it's not the case. Uh, there was there was no funerals in the first episode. Now it makes me curious because we don't know if Steve's alive still. We don't know if he's dead unless we we sort of do. I mean, I think that we're going to find out. Are we going to get Grandpa Steve ever in this I, show, I, do you think? Because I would love to have Grandpa uh, Steve show up. It's not, it's, not been, it's not been confirmed, but then again, Marvel is very good well, with secrets. With all that moon talk, I was like, are we going to get space Nazis? Are we going to get moon Nazis? Or moon Hydra, well, I guess. Well, the funny thing about the moon, <laughs> there is a uh, little Easter egg there with the moon. For anyone who follows the comics comic books there is a person on the moon who watches things his name is utu the watcher bald head right little baby looking bald head dude uh giant baby head <laughs> with a slightly smaller yeah, body i remember yes. that guy. i kind of like, like don't want to look up what this person actually looks like now because i'm just gonna <laughs> go with the mental image yeah like i said guys if i see it i can't unsee it so we're not gonna do that <laughs> But there's also another Easter egg there. You brought up um, how Joaquin Torres is sus to you. Yeah. Well, uh, spoiler alert, that actually, he actually becomes the Falcon after uh, Sam takes up the mantle of Captain America in the comic books. We got, we're trading superhero powers. This is what's happening. <laughs> you, you could do well, that. Sam's still flying, but um, he definitely uh, Joaquin Torres takes up the car- the moniker of Falcon, while uh, Sam takes up Captain America. Well, I, when I was watching this series, I was like, okay, they're gonna he's gonna become Captain America. He's gonna grab the shield and embrace <laughs> it by the end of this six episode yeah. run, and I'm looking forward to that happening. Um, I know. I think yeah. it's just one of those moments that, like, once it happens, like. I mean, I know Marvel and they're going to do it in, you know, the best way they possibly can. But I'm also excited to see, I think in previews and trailers that I've watched, I'm excited to see them kind of go back to the moments right after Endgame. Like when the, like they first sure. yeah. like were handed the shield. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I love flashbacks. And so I'm hoping in like at least one of the episodes we get sort of a flashback till then. Absolutely. But also, more importantly that ending guys so yeah talking about the end scene where sam's sister comes barging into the room and tells sam hey you got to watch this it turns on the tv and the press conference of the government announcing that there is a new captain america their captain america Mm -hmm. nobody has consulted sam on this definitely not corporate sponsored captain america they they even pulled out the shield that was given to (laughs) sam that was supposed to be enshrined in the Smithsonian. And here it is being walked out by someone else. Right. The new Captain America is rolled out by, uh, in my opinion, someone who could be the head of Vought from the boys. I got a lot of Homelander vibes from that last scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As well you should, because let me tell you this now. And another spoiler alert. John Walker 
they'll, they'll you'll figure this out probably in the next episode is the new Captain America and John Walker is not like Steve he's very much more militant he's very, uh, a very angry guy he has no control over his emotions whatsoever and if you look while he's walking out he's carrying a gun Oh, uh, I did not know that. Which is that. a throwback. Didn't Captain America have a gun, though, in the uh, original comic books? While he was fighting a world war, but when he was a superhero, yeah. he didn't carry a gun. I gotta tell you, though, when that scene was happening, so obviously, again, just like, you know, Anthony Mackie, I thought, did a great job. Like, you could really just see on his face, when he's watching this new Captain America come on screen, come on television, you could just feel like, this is wrong. This is so wrong. I genuinely was, like, enraged by the end of that episode. Like, that just, like, pained me to, like, watch. Like, this is our new Captain America. Like, trying to convince all these people. Like, you know, like, you can't. You can't replace Steve Rogers, man. Like, it's, you know, taking up the mantle and doing it in the right way is different. But I was just, like, I knew this was going to happen, like, basically from previews that i seen. But I was still, like, I was pretty mad. Like, I just, like, are you serious? I was like, yep, yep, can't trust the government. Yeah, there were some serious, like... Some serious, like, racist undertones to that, too, which I know the show is is going to be exploring about, like, there's all of this, like, dog whistling in that initial speech where he's like, we need a Captain America who can stand for uh, – during the speech with the press conference when he's introducing um, the new Captain America, he's like, we need a hero who can stand for all of us. And lo and behold, the new Captain America is white. Unlike Sam, who was actually given the new mantle by Steve Rogers. If you want a little bit more of context, not only is he uh, a white man, he's a white Southern gentleman. Ah. Oh. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Just reminding you, this is a spoiler alert. John Walker, again, um, if you read the comic books and you look him up, he's, he's not. In fact, he actually starts out as a villain before he becomes Captain America and it's basically he actually takes on Captain America a couple times. He takes on Steve Rogers. So um, eventually uh, he becomes Captain America sort of in the same way, uh, except for uh, Steve puts the mantle down because he disagrees with the direction the uh, country is going in. He becomes the nomad mm-hmm. instead. Oh, I had those comics as a kid. I forgot about those ones. God. Yes, it was. That was an ugly. Uh, that was probably the worst suit Steve Rogers ever wore. But uh <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he he sets it down. He sets it down, and uh, the government gives it to. Wasn't that a trench coat? Didn't he have like a trench coat and long hair or something? No, he had the high high pop collar like Doctor Strange with the cape. It was was just bad, just bad. Ah, the nineties. Honestly, all I gotta say is when that you know new Captain America walked out onto those steps. uh, No lie, this is the first thing that popped in my head. That is not America's ass, okay? We left that with Steve Rogers, okay? All right, that's all I got to say. Um, I'm not a fan of the new suit. The, the new suit is, it, it, it's it, it's just not good, uh, but it does re- uh, represent what uh, the suit was when uh, John Walker becomes uh, U.S. agent. Mm. U.S. agent, mm. that's right, okay. Hey, listeners, this next segment is going to contain a lot of pretty heavy spoilers and theorizing about the future of this show. So if you would rather not have any of that spoiled for you, if you're not a uh, a major theorizer, then I would advise maybe skipping this section. But if you are a major theorizer and you really want to know what might happen, you want to get into all of the Easter eggs, all of the theories, all of the super fun analysis based on the comics, based on what's based on the Reddit theories, etc. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be blast. <laughs> so another Easter egg I've noticed. Uh, did anybody notice where Bucky woke up after his nightmare? He woke up on the floor. I was curious about that. <laughs> yeah. Was, do you, did you forget that in uh, the beginning of the Winter Soldier movie... Sam and Captain America talk about how the beds are too fluffy, uh, too soft, and therefore they find themselves sleeping on the floor. I did forget that. <laughs> oh, that's, okay, can I be honest with you? Because I was like, I know there is something there, but I don't know what it is. Oh, my God. That's a great callback. That, and that, that was so subtle, too. Like, that was such a quick little scene. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. See, I love that. See, this is my lo- I love this kind it's of the, thing. The little, it's the little <laughs> details Marvel hits you on. That makes things so much better. All the callbacks. Oh, 
my it's god, great. that's awesome! I mean, because I was curious. I was like, why is he? Why is he on his floor? Like that looks like a really nice apartment. Like I bet he's got a really nice bed. <laughs> Hard times for Bucky. You, you know, you know. Uh, I mean, he's used to sleeping on a block of ice. I guess, right? Right. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> okay. Any other things so, you noticed? Yes. Um, the last one I have here is the name of Bucky's therapist. It's Doctor Rainier. Hmm. Uh, there are several Rainiers who uh, draw for comics. I'm believing this is a shout out. Marvel does this a lot to uh, their comic creators. They'll have side characters with the last name or the full name of the the comic, uh, one of the artists or pencilers or writers. Um, so I think this is uh, a shout out to Nigel Rainier, who uh, who did pencil uh, a bunch of the. Um, Marvel Avengers comics. So I believe that's a little shout out to him. But, mm-hmm. and this is this is something where, you know, uh, you talked earlier about being a little suspect of Sergeant Torres. Yeah, he was uh, sus. Yeah, uh, I didn't get that vibe from him, but I definitely got it from the, the therapist. She's not and a very this, good therapist. Well, <laughs> passive so, aggressive, as Bucky points out. This is just a warning because even though these are just some crackpot theories that I, I have right now, they could be some potential major spoilers down the road. Fast forward a couple minutes to have some spoiler free listening. I don't know this for sure, but it's interesting to me to see in the Captain America comic books, there is a therapist who dabbles in mind control. And in the comic books, uh, this therapist uh, utilizes S.H.I.E.L.D to brainwash S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, including Sharon Carter, who was the agent in charge of watching over Steve Rogers in The Winter Soldier. Who will probably show up in this series, too. Who is definitely in this series. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you see these two characters in the same exact space, I would be very cautious because I believe that the doctor could end up being Dr. Faustus. Oh, not another mind control thing. Oh. Yes. That's like Bucky's least favorite thing. Oh, I know. That's right? terrible. Honestly, it was so funny. She That was a very funny scene, though. Like, I thought she was doing a really great job. But I am excited to see Sharon Carter come back. Right. I did really like her. I thought that, you know, her ending was obviously left open-ended uh, at the end of Civil War. So I am pumped to see her come back to the series because she's in the she's in the previews and in the trailer so we know that she's going to have an appearance at some point that's awesome that's really really cool i i would i would keep my eye on that particular character now before we get into news you will notice that we did lose one of our members uh lucas he did you know blip out for the remainder of the episode (laughs) but he'll be blipped back in come the next Next, episode next week (laughs) um so uh i actually tweeted out a little tease about being able to tie Mephesto. Okay, I was going to ask you about that. I did see that on Twitter. <laughs> now, I, beforehand, I want to say uh, it was funny watching WandaVision and having everyone jump at Mephesto shadows and false flags. Um, so I just figured I'd, I'd uh, find a very coincidental uh, tie-in here and let people know who are hoping for Mephesto that there's still a little bit of hope. <sighs> That he may show up. Um, and this is going back through the uh, the character I just mentioned. See, uh, Dr. Faustus, uh, is anybody a classical literature uh, buff? I have read Faustus, actually. Okay. Uh, do you remember the story? No, I was not a great student okay. <laughs> in that particular uh, class. <laughs> Faustus makes a deal with a demon. Oh, okay. The name of the demon is Menistopheles. Right. AKA Mephesto. For all of our for all of our English literature majors out there. For all English lit majors, there is a tie there. Um to be fair though, uh even though setting up this parade, I'm gonna rain all over it in the Marvel comics. Mephesto and Dr. Faustus never, never cross paths. Probably just another little uh another little like uh, throwback to all of the theories just another way to tease us basically yes basically it's just it's just a fun coincidence that i i think is is worth mentioning so you know the premiere of the falcon and winter soldier isn't the only thing that premiered this week or uh the only news that is happening around in geekdom and as we've previously said uh we are planning on covering more than just the mcu we're planning on covering star wars the dceu 
you know, anything within our scope that we think we would want to talk about, we're also going to talk about. So really, the question is, has anything outside of the MCU or outside of Falcon and Winter Soldier popped up on your radars that you'd like to bring up? Yeah, big thing in the DCEU this week, the Snyder Cut of Justice League has finally premiered. So... I, who here? Anyone seen it yet? I watched all four hours in four by three aspect ratio of it. <laughs> oh, oh my God. So was it, is it four, four and a half hours? Good. I will say it's better than the Whedon cut. The first movie that they decided to roll out is much better. Uh, the runtime is four hours. It's four hours of solid. Wow. Yeah, um, I will oh. say this, uh, Zach. Somebody needs to take the slow mo button away from Zack Snyder. He abuses that <laughs> a little too much. I think if they would have gone in regular speed for the entire movie, it probably would have boiled down to probably about two and a half hours. Oh my gosh, that there was that much slow motion. There is an abuse of his. He just abuses it. Um, he, he don't get me wrong. He is an absolutely fantastic director visually, but man. Okay. Yeah, he now, just abuses quick that. question for you, Norm, on this topic. I've never seen the original Justice League. Should I watch that first before I watch no, this one? No, do not. Do not. Do not. <laughs> do, not. do not waste your time. It is not worth it. Okay. But I should watch the Snyder Cut, though. I mean. it's. I, th- I think it's worth it. The okay. The ending, the ending, like the prologue or whatever you want to call it, uh, uh, it's a little long. It reminds me a little bit of Return of the King from Lord of the Rings length, but it's yeah. still it's still good. Well, I know that, that my big news is also in relation to the Snyder Cut, because as it turns out, this week it was released that Zack Snyder originally wanted Superman to have a mullet. Did anyone else oh, see that this? That's no. Did anyone else see this? And I read Didn't that headline, that. and I was seeing it everywhere, and I said, this is going to be a tag an SNL weekend update. Like, I already know it. Like, I'm predicting it. It's Saturday morning. Tonight, SNL's premiering. We'll see. But, yeah. You know, business in the front, party in the back. I don't really know if that works for Superman. If there's one thing that should be outlawed, it should be the mullet. It should just be completely erased from history. It's like a cape. It would be like a cape for his head. Like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like, flows like a cape. Yeah, no, absolutely not. It needs to go. Absolutely not. Well, how about you, Emilia? What news do you want to put on our radar today? Well, I have two things. Uh, one is that in other, uh, you know, cinematic universe news, there is going to be a new show coming out next Friday on uh, the 26th, the same time that the next episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier is going to sh- uh, premiere on Disney+. Plus. But this one is called Invincible, and it's also about superheroes. It is an animated series starring Stephen Yun, J.K. Simmons, and uh, Sandra Oh, just like a million other. It, it, it is absolutely star-studded. I'm really excited for it. It's based on a series of comic books that I think was written by one of the co-writers for The Walking Dead, and it is as violent as that as well. <laughs> so maybe not one for the kids, but yeah, I'm really looking It was a popular it. image comic. Image uh, got a lot of mileage out of that one, and yeah. I'm looking forward to it. It should be very good. And if anybody out there is also a fan of My Hero Academia, there's mm-hmm. definitely some uh, serious parallels between these two. Now, where Sweet. is Invincible going to be streaming? It'll be streaming on Amazon Prime Video. Cool. Awesome. Well, we have a lot to look forward to then next Friday. One final bit of news. Uh, there was a promo for Xbox that Anthony Mackie, who portrays Falcon, who cameoed <laughs> in this promo, uh, and we got the answer to one of the biggest questions from the Infinity Wars saga. Who is Noob Master 69? This is famously the... <laughs> uh, the gamer that Thor is uh, has a bit of a rivalry with in is it an Endgame? Yeah, game. beginning of Endgame. End game. Right. So yep. this is this is everybody after everybody gets uh, blipped out of existence. Half the population. Uh, Thor is in a serious major funk. He's in a he's basically depressed because he kind of failed everyone, arguably. Uh, so he's been sitting back playing video games, eating junk food, being sad, and he has some serious beef with game with a, a gamer named Noobmaster69, who was revealed to be Aaron, who uh, worked at 
the Apple store in Captain America Winter Soldier. Uh, he was in one scene where he was trying to help Steve and Natasha while they were uh, on the run from Hydra. So in this promo, <laughs> he appears as a game. <laughs> in this promo, he appears as a GameStop employee who is helping uh, the Falcon uh, with with his purchase. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, that was a great that was a great thing uh them bringing that particular character back for for this this commercial. I thought it was I thought it was interesting and uh, definitely a fun thing. It wasn't him though. It wasn't him though. It, he said it was his cousin's tag that he handed that he gave to him. So it's not uh-huh. Aaron, it's Aaron's cousin who is new master 69. So we might never know. Well, I and to, and to leave this off just one question for Marvel. Did they just make an Xbox commercial canon MCU? <laughs> Material. Uh, that is a that is a great question. I would I would love to uh, ring someone's ear about that. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us on our pilot episode of the Verse. We just recapped episode one of the Falcon and Winter Soldier, and you can expect next week we're going to be talking about episode two, which will be premiering again this Friday on Disney Plus. Now, if you have any questions or if you want certain things talked about on this podcast in within the multi-cinematic universes, make sure to reach out to us at contact at screenradar.com email, but also make sure to give us a follow at ScreenRadar on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So you can also find the Verse Squad on Twitter. I'm Bridget Brogan, and you can find me, Bridget Brogan16. That's my handle on Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter at EmiliaU. That's spelled E-M-I-L-I-A-Y-U. And you can follow me, Norm Felker, on Twitter at random underscore white guy. And you can also find our fellow Blipped co-star, Lucas, at Luconian Logic at Twitter as well. And you can even contact our producer, Steve Prusikowski, on Twitter at Film Snork. Yeah, we don't know what a Film Snork is still. But. Yeah, still no clue what a, uh, a Film Snork is. It sounds like some kind of bird that uh, that eats film. Yep. Well, there's our music, which means we are just about done for today. Be sure to subscribe to us at all of your favorite podcast locations. And join us next week in The Verse. The Verse is presented by ScreenRadar.com and produced by Stephen Kuzakowski. All right, joke time. You ready for this? I'm ready. How do you make a waterbed more bouncy? I don't know. How do you make a waterbed more bouncy? Add spring water. <laughs> <laughs> that that pause though right after. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle these more of these dad jokes, guys. I don't know Come if I'm on. disappointed or happy at it. <laughs> All right, here here's another one. You don't like that one? Here here's one. <laughs>